People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We've got a very, very, very packed show today, and I use the word very a few times because it is very packed. Last night, I attended the Penguin Random House media event for the first half of 2019. It was a great event, and... Uh, Huge amount of excitement around some of the greatest titles that will be hitting the bookshelves the first half of this year. There's something for everyone. Literary fiction, crime thrillers, popular fiction, non-fiction, local published books. There were a few really standout titles that uh, I was running to the publicity managers to say, I need a copy of that book in Yesterday, mm-hmm. and we are joined in the studio today by Viz Chetty from Penguin Random House. Viz has been on the show for quite a few times already, and wishing congratulations, Muzzletor, because he's <laughs> recently received a promotion at Penguin Random House, and now not just repping, but also in sales and product. He has an even more global eye view over all the titles that pass through <laughs> the office and his hands. Welcome, Viz. <laughs> Thank you, thank you so much, Stephen. Yeah, now I've got the, um, I've got to keep mum on certain titles. I can't talk about everything now. <laughs> it was such a great list that Good, was, yeah. uh, you know, unveiled to the to the media last night. And you've got some of the books I've already read. Some of them I've got on my shelves to read. Some of them <laughs> I am sending yep. emails to yep. have them. Yep. You can start going through, and I want to add in some of the titles that this is going to talk about. I've already secured, or I'm in the process of securing interviews with those authors. So we are really on the ball here at High FM <laughs> and uh, at Penguin Random House. What's the first title? Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Um, the first one is a huge, huge book for us. It's it's It just sounds so amazing. Um, it's set in Vienna, 1939. Um, and it's based on a man called Gustav. Uh, he had a secret diary. Um, you know, during the war, he was sent to a uh, concentration camp. Actually, it wasn't a camp. They, they were they were forced to build their own prisons, literally, which is just terrible. So it was him and his son uh, Fritz, and they go into this place. They built the camp up, and a few years go by, and it comes to a point where um, Gustav is sent to Auschwitz, and um, his son, uh, despite all the efforts to get him to stay behind, actually followed his father uh, to Auschwitz, and that's why the title. Uh, so Jeremy Dronfield has done a lot, a lot of archival research to to complete this book. It's really, really um, well, well written as well. Um, like this year, we've had uh, the tattoos of Auschwitz, um, and I think this will be sort of in the in a similar vein for us this year. You haven't said the title yet. The I'm sorry, the boy who followed his father into Auschwitz. So that's a very powerful title. Yeah, it's a powerful title. Yeah. Is the book available already? Um, it is available, yes. You can you can pick it up in stores right now. It's just now been released. I think it was a week ago. Um, so Jeremy Dronfield, the boy who followed his father into Auschwitz, it's beautifully, beautifully written, and it's just an, uh, an amazing story. Um, as I said, based on Gustav's secret diary. He held a diary all that time. He kept one. He didn't even tell his son, and it was later found, and, and that's where the book comes from. It's fantastic. Right, and then the next one is a uh, debut thriller for us. Um, uh, the author's name is Githa Lodge. Um, it, the, the title of the book is called She Lies in Wait. Uh, it's sort of your, if you like a good crime thriller, but something a little bit more, um, upmarket, something a bit more, um, literary, I would say, but not 
too uh, inaccessible. It's actually quite quite uh, accessible, uh, but really good quality. They say that was if that's what you're looking for, then this is a good one to start. Um, Thirty years ago, this little girl went missing. Um, her sister was with her when she went missing. They never found her body. They did, they have the case went cold. The sister grows up and she's and she becomes a detective. Um, you know, you would assume that because of the sister gone missing, she sort of had an, you know, to help people. She wanted to help people, so she became a detective. And, um, it just so happens that they find the remains of this girl's body 30 years later. And, and a very young, ambitious detective picks up the case and somehow, um, the sister of this missing girl hears about it and she says, no, I also want to, want to work on this case. I don't care. So she gets in there and she starts working this case. Um, the story has been told from multiple points of view and multiple characters. Uh, the character development is amazing in the book. Um, the five friends that the girl was with, just to give you a bit of context with it, is um, the five friends that she was with when she went missing were the only people who knew uh, this certain the spot that they found the remains of. So she suggests um, throughout the book that it could be one of the friends who had something to do with her disappearance. So amazing thriller. The title of that one? She Lies in Wait by Githa Lodge. Uh, it's spelled G-Y-T-H-A. We'll be back with more fantastic titles straight after the ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. I'm actually taking it a little easier today because we've got Viz from Penguin Random House in the studio. He's going through the highlights of the first half of the year from Penguin Random House. And these are fantastic titles. So we've already seen two. And he's got a whole lot of titles in front of him. So I'm going to let him talk about the next book. I think it's called North. North, yes, by Frank Owen. Um, it's actually a, a duo of writers under the pseudonym Frank Owen. I think they, they were born in South Africa. Um, but they now live in the States as far as, as far as I can remember. Anyway, so if people have read the first book, it was called South. Um, it's set in the States in a sort of, um, dystopian era. So it's somewhere in the future. And, um, this, the United States is at war. There's a civil war and there's a big, big divide between North and South. There's a war going on. In the middle of this war, an airborne virus is released, and when that happens, it's sort of people are fighting to survive, and that ends the civil war. But what it's also done is, with the political climate being what it is, it causes power vacuums and people who come to power, so lots of rebels and that kind of thing. So a a, a dictator who comes out of the north by the name of Renard, um, he is the... He's the villain in this book. So in the first book, and I would suggest reading South before you read North, because then it'll just make sense, because when where South ends, North picks up directly from that. Um, so it's not one of those ones you can just pick up and, and read. I would suggest reading South first by Frank Horn. Uh, so this is 30 years since. So North is set 30 years after the book, after South. Um, and our main character, Dice and Vida, uh, are on the, they're on this a trek basically from the south to go to the north and they have a mission and that mission is to um, assassinate this dictator. Uh, so it's it's really, really one of those uh, fast-paced uh, thrillers uh, which has a really, really nice dystopian feel to it as well. So it's fantastic. Um, and then the next one is Once Upon a River uh, by Diane Setterfield. Uh, it's set... In, uh, you, they don't really, she doesn't really say exactly what, what time it is, but you get a feeling, uh, because this is pre-photographs and things, you get a feeling it's in the, probably the late 19th century. Um, and it starts off 
in an inn where the, these people it's set on it's on the on the Thames River. There's this little inn, and these people gather there every you know every night and they exchange stories and that kind of thing. And one night, the stranger walks in out of the rain, and he has this what they thought at first was a doll in his hand, and it turns out eventually that uh, it's not a doll. It's actually a little girl that had drowned in the river. Um, and then something really bizarre happens. Um, after a few hours, she gets up. So at first they thought she was dead, which she certainly looked like. And then a few hours later, she she's awake. And they it's it's sort of goes into this mystery about her and she and where she's from and who her parents are. Um, what you'd like about this book is so so at- atmospheric. The town is almost its own character. The people, um, you know, they all make up this really atmospheric time. So she's done a really really good job of of, of the structure of this book. It's beautiful. I, I have read the book. Have you? Okay. And I'm going to review it in a few in, in two weeks' time. Actually, okay. we're going to have an interview. I've actually secured an author an, in, an author interview with Diane Satterfield. And if you ever read, it must have been about ten years ago, the Thirteenth Tale. Yes, it was yeah. her her her, her, her debut novel. It yes. sold more than 3 million copies. Yes. So this is classic Diane Setterfield. Yeah. It is beautiful. Stunning writing. Yeah. Story writing yeah. and storytelling. Yes. So that's it, it's, it's something to look out for and also look out, for, listen out for our interview with Diane Setterfield in two weeks' time. Oh, that's going to be good. You must let me know when, when that goes on. Um, right. Then the next one is Jonathan Kellerman. Believe it or not, it's number 34 in this series. Um, what I like about it is you can, with his books, you can pick it up literally anywhere. You can pick it up in book 12 or book 20 or book 34 like this one and you'd still be entertained and still be um, amazed at his writing. Um, so in this one, it's um, it starts off with this wedding party and it's a saints and sinners themed party. All these people are there and someone finds this body of a young girl um, dressed in this red dress and six inch heels and she's in the closet and the funny part is nobody really knows who she is. So there's a great mystery about not just who she is, but obviously who's murdered her as well. So um, our main characters, the detectives that we've known in, in the series, um, get this case and they start working on it. And it's a really fast-paced, um, well-structured uh, crime thriller as well. Okay. So that's called? That's called The Wedding Guest by Jonathan Kellerman. And the next one is uh, The Rumor, which I believe you wanted to speak about. Yeah, the Rumor is a debut novel by Lauren Carra. I'm also working on an interview with her. And the premise is very simple. A group of mothers dropping their children off at school at the beginning of the day are all discussing their lives and their challenges. It's the drop-off run. And then someone mentions the rumor that they've heard that a woman, a girl who... 50 years in the past or 30 years in the past killed a child Mm -hmm. and went to jail or to a a juvenile jail, was released from jail at the end of a sentence, has been moving around the country under a government protection program, and she's living in this town. And that's the rumor that then creates the entire narrative of the book. It's very clever. Yeah. For a Jewish radio station, we always talk about the, the the dangers of talking bad speech, losh and horror. So this is a great 
novel to show the dangers of talking bad speech and how it can actually destroy lives. Sorry. So that's the rumor by, by, by Leslie, sorry, Leslie Cara, yeah. Leslie Cara. It's a great book. It's a great book club book. Debut. It's a good thriller. It's a debut thriller. Yeah. It's, it's worth giving debut authors a chance. That's mm-hmm. what I love doing here on Chai FM, mm-hmm. giving debut writers the chance to also sell their wares to us, the reading <laughs> public. But for the discerning reader, it's a good, good, good domestic thriller. That's yeah. The rumor. Yeah. There's been a lot of people saying, uh, when I looked it up online, saying it's unputdownable. <laughs> so once you start, you're just gonna, you're gonna go for it. Um, and then the next one is a fantastic, fantastic, um, th- it's, 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 it's a thriller, it's a fantasy novel, it's, it's just an epic, epic. It's called the Dark Star Trilogy. It's part of the Dark Star Trilogy by Marlon James. Um, people would know him from a few years ago when he won the Man Booker for a book called a, a Brief History of Seven Killings. It was loosely based on the assassination attempt of um, Bob Marley. Um, and what you would like about this book is it's set in a very African, ancient African civilization and world. It's got a wide, wide array of fantastical characters and and it's just a stunner. And it's going to be, I think, one of our bigger books for this year. You were there last night. Yeah, it's, it is one of the literary events yeah. of the year. Marlon James Marlon is James. viewed by the literary establishment as a very rising, a very fast rising star. Yes. And it's been compared to the Afri- an African Game of Thrones. Yes, yes, yes. Which is which is still not even completing what this book can, is actually about because it's not just that part of it. Is do you know how in like Western fantasy novels everything's just there and it's very structured and you know exactly what this world is? Um, what he's done with this is he's taken African storytelling, which was traditionally more vocal. Right, it's more word, and it's not so much written down. So that's what it is. You'll find stories within stories within stories in this, and it's stunning. And it's very hallucinatory, almost. Yes, His yes, style yes. is very Marlon James. Yes, yes, you've got to pay attention when you're reading it. Yeah. So that's that's it's, it's a complicated title. It's called. It's called Black Leopard, Red Wolf, and uh, it's going to be out on the 26th of Feb. And it's the first of a trilogy. So first of a trilogy. African mythologies are going to be put center stage yes. with Marlon James' yes. treatment of this yes. African story. And our market is so hungry for this for this kind of material now. We're talking, we're in conversation with Viz Chetty. We're looking at Penguin Random House highlights for the first half of the year. We've got to have an ad break right now, but Viz isn't going anywhere. No, no. <laughs> People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. As you've been hearing every time I take over the microphone, we're very excited to have Viz Chetty in from Penguin Random House. We're looking at highlights for the first half of the year. Some of them are already on the shelves. Some of them will be coming out shortly. Others are very tantalizingly being dangled in front of us to tell us what we can wait for further on into the year when we get closer to the middle of the year for yes. summer reading. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> we'll just take uh, all it these away. Uh, all these titles. I just wanted to say, uh, sorry, Stephen, was the all these titles are just from Jan to June. We haven't even gone into <laughs> the second part of the year, and all these ones that I've taken is literally either out now or coming out latest in the Feb. Um, and also, all the titles that Viz has mentioned, I uh, will post pictures of the covers on our Facebook page. So when the show's over, give me a few minutes, and then you can go to Facebook and you can. Create for yourself a wish list of which titles you want to read or get your book club to buy. Or if you've got a friend who's having a birthday sometime in April and you want the perfect gift, you'll find it here on Chai FM.
Oh, that's great. Thank you. The next one is The Taking of Annie Thorne by C.J. Tudor. Last year, uh, on the show as well, I think I might have mentioned it, was got a book yeah, called The Chalk did. Man. We you talked did. about it quite a bit. It was a very exciting book, um, and she was a brand new author. We were really happy to publish her. And just shortly after we published that book, she came to us and said, look, I've got another one. And she said, we were just ecstatic because uh, we think she's going to be one of our bigger thriller writers in the years to come and she's already on her way um, she's a big fan of, St- of uh, Stephen King so if you like Stephen King and sort of the macabre world that he sometimes creates in his books then you would probably love this book The Taking of Annie Thorne the story starts off with this little girl who goes missing for 48 hours uh, 20 years ago and when she is found, eventually she is found. They thought she they wouldn't, but eventually she returns. But she's never really quite the same. Uh, and the story centers around uh, what she becomes after she comes back, but more especially her brother Joe, who has had a lot of trouble. Uh, he's a gambler. He's you know always gets in trouble with the law, um, and he's on the run uh, from someone. So he moves back into this little town. Um, you pick up the book and it just starts off and the paints this, she paints this really macabre and sinister scene and I promise you, you, you wouldn't be able to put this phone, uh, this book down, um, after that. So Joe comes back into this little town after many years and he has scores to settle with people in their school friends or school uh, people from school who, he, who he's become enemies with and um, at the same time he becomes a teacher he lies his way to becoming a teacher and then the funny sort of things happen sort of stuff that people go missing like his sister did um, 20 years ago so fantastic book it's, it's called The Taking of Annie Thorne by C.J. Tudor and then the next one is The Pianist of Yamuk by Aham Ahmed uh, he is a classically trained musician uh, in 2015 um, he was, someone had taken a picture of him playing this piano in the middle of this war-torn street and it went viral and the world, it became an outcry um, to the war in Syria. Uh, so he's a very important voice. If you go on YouTube and just search for the pianist of Yamuk, you'll see what I mean. There's amazing videos of what he's done. He's, not, he's now become this voice for Syria and just a plea to stop the war and, and that kind of thing. Um yeah, so in 2015, he somehow managed to get into Germany. A uh, few of his friends, German friends, musicians, um, pulled some strings and they sort of managed to get him in as a refugee. But his family was still back in in uh, Syria. Uh, when you start the book, it's a beautifully, beautifully written book. Um, he starts the book off and he, tell, he talks about, very, very candidly and honestly, about how over 100 people had died of starvation by the time this photo was taken in 2015 in his little village. And the reason for that was um, the forces that be cut off supplies to this area so they couldn't get anything. I mean, he talks about how they used cinnamon. They didn't have tea, so they just took cinnamon and put it into boiling water and kind of drank that. So he's really been through it. So the, the pianist of Yamuk, I've yeah. got a copy in my hand. It's a, it's, it's a very powerful cover. It's this powerful. picture of yeah. him playing a piano. In the middle of this urban scene where the buildings on either side are just totally devastated from rockets. And it was mentioned last night that this wasn't a staged picture. No. This is an actual actual picture picture that happened. He was playing the piano in the middle of this devastated neighborhood called Yamuk. Now, Ahmad Ahmad was his family story. He He's he's a Syrian refugee, but it actually goes back because the family were Palestinian refugees who fled to Syria um, in the early years of the the state of Israel. Mm. 
a whole lot of Palestinian refugees settled in a tent camp called Yarmouk, which then over the years was built up into an urban neighborhood. Mm. Now he's been sent on the run from Syria because of the civil war in Syria, and he's now living in Germany. Mm. But he's been recognized as a major... Yes, pianist. he's just so, um, I mean, he's, if you, like I said, you go on YouTube, he's, there's amazing talks that he does and he meshes it in with his piano, with his music. So it's really powerful stuff that he's doing. And I think he's a very important figure and it's a great book to, to read. Um, I mean, he would get children to come in and they would, you know, sort of write poems and he would on the spot take those words and make them into songs. And so he become this, he's become this figure of hope in that region, in that world. So that's, it's yeah. a, it's a, looks like a, it's, not a very long read. It's not a long read. Yeah, you can probably get through it over the weekend. It's but an important read. Very important, yeah. And then the next one is um, Annalise by David Gillum. Uh, this one is a tricky one. When I took it to stores, I took it to um, you know stores, and they in in the region, and they were you know they were very skeptical at first, but eventually I think they they saw the book and I've given them. Um, proof copies and they've read it and they loved it. And the book is called Annalise by David Gillum. Um, it is loosely based on the character of Anne Frank. So it's sort of speculative in the fact that had um, Anne Frank survived, had she lived, what would her life have been? Who would she have turned out to be? And that's what he looks at. Um, so he looks at this wonderful character of Anne Frank and he uh, crafts this entire story of, of what it, it could have been, which is quite beautiful. Um, he was given full uh, permission by the Anne Frank house and, and they totally, to- and he was very respectful of her and uh, her life. So um, it's an amazing book. It's a, also a beautiful, you can't miss the jacket. It's this beautiful black and white. Now, while you're talking about Annalise, which yeah. hasn't, it's going to come out soon. It's going to be out soon. I want to just mention another book that Penguin Random House published last year. Yes. Um, I want to review it in the next few weeks. It's the Anne, Anne Frank's diary, but the graphic adaptation. It's adapted by Ari Folman and illustrations are by David Polonsky. Mm. Last year I was trying very hard early in the year when they were coming out with some public, um, they, they were unveiling publicly some of the pictures in the book. I was trying to have an interview with them, but it just fell through and I was devastated. Uh-huh. I got a copy of the book. Yes. It is the retelling of the diary of Anne Frank, but as a graphic novel, it is beautifully done. Mm. There are some scenes there which must have taken hours of planning yeah. just to think up the pictures. Yes. I'll try to put some of them on the Facebook page with a cover of this, um, mm. the, the graphic uh, adaptation. So you can see he's taken pictures by Klimt yes. and the scream and he's put them into the book just yeah. to show yeah. uh, the life that Anne had or yeah. she imagined for herself Amazing. and the, the, the difficulties that they were living through. Mm. So for people who have read the diary of Anne Frank and they want to read it in a slightly different format. This is a graphic novel and it is, it, it works. Mm. It powerfully, powerfully works. And once again, it was all done with the, with the encouragement and the support of the Anne Frank, um, uh, found fund, yeah. uh, that the, that, that, that Anne Frank's father Otto set up. Yes. So it's all official and it is once again a very, very powerful book. Yes. I think Ari Folman's a really great filmmaker. So when you bring a filmmaker's interpretation into this with a really good illustrator, it's basically putting art onto a page. It's putting a film onto a page. And that's what I think they get really good. Yeah, right and they do achieve it. Yeah. They really do well with it. And then the next one is, um, 
you know, Sophie Kinsella has been our author for quite a while and she's, uh, she's, uh, quite entertaining and fun and it's a light read and sort of a holiday read if you like Marianne Keys. Um, and if you've never read Sophie Kinsella, then you should, you should give her a shot. The book is called I Owe You One by Sophie Kinsella and it is about a woman named Fixie Far and she does this really cute thing on her books where her main characters are sort of um, very similar to what they are. So Fixie Far is actually a kind of person that needs to fix things. She needs to make things right and she works really hard um, to make everybody feel good and, and sort of make them happy. So that's why the name Fixie. Um, she... In this book, her father's just, just passed away and she's trying to keep everything together and keep her family together. And one day, a stranger, an investment banker asks, uh, asks her to please uh, look after his laptop in a coffee shop. And, um, she, she somehow, there was an accident that was going to happen to this laptop and she saves it. And he writes on a little piece of note with his business card and he's on a little piece of serviette and he says, um, I owe you one. And at the same time, her brother comes back into town and he needs a job. So she sort of uses this I owe you one to help him out. So it's sweet and fun and entertaining. And I think um, Sophie Kinsella is, is also one of those authors that she'll never let you down. She always has good stuff. So the, the book is out on the 8th of February. That's uh, next week. And uh, it's called I owe you one, uh, Sophie Kinsella. Then um, the next. And that's that's perfect for book clubs. Perfect for book clubs. Yeah, they love it. Um, Darkest Truth by Catherine Cohen. Um, the main character in this book, he, his name is Finn Fitzpatrick, and uh, he is his daughter has has basically passed away, and he has a lot of questions. So, is all the book? The book basically surrounds the relationship between the daughter and Ireland's most famous director. Did he have something to do with it? Um, it reminded me a lot of Catherine um, Ryan Howard's book, The Liar's Girl, uh, which was a fantastic thriller last year. Um, it reminded me a lot about that kind of style as well. She writes very clearly. It's a fast-paced book and a really good thriller. That is the? The Darkest Truth. Or Darkest Truth, uh, truth no, no, the, by Catherine Cohen. And there, then, there, there were quite a few dark books. That, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think the market's going there. You the know, market's there, yeah. The people want to be thrilled and, and just sort of a uh, little scared. <laughs> just a little scared. Just a little. Yeah. Um, the next one, I'm actually just reading this one now. I haven't completed it. It's a big book, but man, I, you know, when I read it, I thought, it's not going to probably be my cup of tea, but when I started it, you you can't stop it. It's beautiful. It's called it's called The Great Wide Open by Douglas Kennedy, and it follows the story of of a young woman named Alice Burns. Um, she has a Catholic father and and a, and a Jewish mother from New York, and it's about her family and growing up in this what you would only describe as a dysfunctional family. And she does a, her best when she's young to get away from them, and she moves away to study. And the basic premise of the book is sometimes no matter how far you go, you have to come back home to really realize who you are and where you come from. So it's, it's a amazing. great sprawling American yes, family epic. Exactly. That's exactly how I would describe it. It's gen in, it's generational, so it follows Alice from she's she's a young girl right up until her later years. So it's just an amazing, amazing read. With a lot of the story set in eighties New York. Correct, yes, yes, yes. If you if you've read uh he did a book called The Pursuit of Happiness a while ago, which was a big hit for him. Um so when we when I when I saw this book I was and people who started reading it they all agreed that this is such a lovely book. You just want to sink your teeth in and go for it. And it's a nice, nice read. Um, so Douglas Kennedy, The Great Wide Open.
And then the next one, we published a book ago by this, uh, a year or two ago by this author, um, Robert Goddard. He, we did a book called Panic Room with him, which is, which I reviewed is, it on the show. Have yeah? you? Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Um, and this one, I, I actually haven't, um, got a chance to get to it. It's still on my to be, to be read list, but I can't wait to get it. It's called One False Move by Joe Roberts. Um, and the story is about, um, um, Sorry, One False Move by Robert Goddard, and the main character is Joe Roberts. He is this genius mathematical brain uh, that everybody wants to get a piece of. And he has – it's a gift, really. He's a, he, what he has is a gift. And there's a, a gaming company called Venstrom that wants to acquire his talents. So – they sort of trying to track him down and they send this woman by the name of Nicole Nevinson to find him and sort of get him to join them. But at the same time, there are other people that need his skills, other people like government forces and sinister shady organizations. So it's one of those ones where you've started and you're not going to stop until you get to the end. It's really, really fast paced apparently. Now that you've mentioned technology yes. connection yes. with crime, I want you to talk about a book about a South African criminal. <laughs> the book's called Mo- The Mastermind. It's by Evan Ratliff. Yes. When it was presented last night, I went straight after the the, 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 the presentation to publicity and to product managers and said, I need a copy. So, <laughs> It's, tell, tell everyone about, it's, it's a South African story, but yes. we, none of us have heard about it. Yes, yes. It's, um, I was actually surprised. I'm a big fan of true crime books. I love reading about crime books and watching crime movies. Um, and I didn't hear about this guy. It's very, very quiet, you know. Um, the author's name is Evan Ratliff. Um, just to put you in the picture, he, he spent four years researching this book, four years of his life to this book. And it's about a man who lived not far from here, Paul LaRue. Uh, he's, he basically grew up in Krugersdorp. Uh, he was obsessed with computer programming. Um, he'd initially come when he was born in Zimbabwe. His parents had given him up for adoption. His South African family moved, um, uh, you know, into, into Johannesburg. And um, one day he washes his car for his father, who was a mine manager. And his father gives him a computer, and that set everything in motion because he became... Of literally obsessed with computer programming and um, to the point where he was just antisocial. Uh, fast forward in 2000, he opens up a company called SW Professionals. They, they do encryption services for um, companies offshore. The company didn't work out. It failed. And in 2002, he started selling painkillers online to the American public, uh, which we also contributed to the epidemic that they've recently... The been opioid epidemic yeah. in America. So he contributed to that. Um, and he made millions, I mean hundreds of millions of dollars online selling that. And then naturally, he started using his platform and his encryption services to move other things. So if you think about what he moved, guns, uh, he had black market gold, uh, he was bringing in meth from North, uh, from North Korea, uh, he was shipping um, s- uh, cocaine from South America, he was arming uh, troops in Israel, so he was doing arms as well, um, and then black market gold. He had a, in Hong Kong, he had a hundred million dollars worth of gold hidden in a warehouse. So this guy was huge. They couldn't find him for half a decade. They couldn't get him. Every time American officials would, they, they thought they had him, they didn't. And, and he was Paul LaRue. 
from South Africa. Yeah, from Krugersdorf, West Rand. And um, he did all this stuff and nobody really noticed, you know. And every time, the only reason they got him was because someone in his organization um, sold him out and sort of, um, con- um, what's the word? Uh, ratted on him. Ratted on him. I, was, I don't know whether I could use that word here. Um, so yeah, they ratted on him and then he turned the tables on them and he started pointing fingers at all the people he dealt with and worked with and, and was customers of his. So he's now state so he witness for the Americans. Too. Yeah. Um, to get a deal, you know, and it's an amazing story. I just can't wait for this book to come out and I think it's going to do really well. So that's, it's the mastermind. It's one of the sh- shout out titles from last night. That's yeah. true crime, but yeah. a South African who would have thought that, you know, the <laughs> Boy from Krugersdorf would become one of the ma- the, the biggest, meanest, yeah. evil masterminds of the underneath the, the dark net. Yes, yeah. and he had like um, the people that he had surrounding him were ex mercenaries and really bad men that he had protecting him. He was involved in about seven or eight murders, um, which he tried to cut a deal and get out of. He's a, he's a quite an interesting character. <laughs> We're going to take a short ad break now, but before that, just to remind everyone, all the titles Viz has mentioned today will be posted on our Facebook page. I will also inc- include a few other pictures, like for the um, Anne Frank graphic novel, uh, the graphic the graphic adaptation of the Anne Frank diary, a few pictures from within the book, just so you can get a taste of that. Um, and uh, this book, The Mastermind, will be there. Scroll down, see nice all the cover. all the covers of the books that we've discussed today, so that you can build your wish list, which will become your bar list when all the books eventually are on the shelves. We'll be back. People of the book on one hundred one point nine High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is like an absolute cornucopia of absolute reading delight. This is in the studio sharing with us the great titles that Penguin Random House are releasing in the first half of the year. He hasn't yet finished his list, so I'm going to stop talking so that he can. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the next one is a long, 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 long awaited book by Thomas Harris. Uh, if anybody, since we're on this theme of, of the macabre, I think you're going to love um, this next book. He did, if you can remember, the Hannibal series, which was a huge hit, Silence of the Lambs, um, and he's a very, very interesting character. So the new book by Thomas Harris is called... Uh, Kari Mora, sorry. And that's going to be out really, really soon. So if you've read the Hannibal series, or even if you haven't, and if you like something on the, on, on the side of macabre and sinister and a little dark, then I think, yeah, uh, Thomas Harris is the way to go. So it's called Kari Mora. We're keeping all details under wraps. Yes. It's all darkened. Yep. <laughs> but it is a dark novel. <laughs> We're not going to go too much into that. Um, the next one is The Zulus of New York by Zeke Sundar. Um, our CEO last night said that this is what they consider to be one of his best books to date, which is a, saying a big thing because, um, you know, uh, Zeke Sundar is such a prolific and wonderful writer. Um, the Zulus of New York. So in 1885, um, New York was the hub of everything. You know, it was a really, really cosmopolitan place and it was a place where, um, you know, the world was sort of coming to and, it, you know, it needed entertainment. And it was this French company that decided... Um, they were called Farini's Friendly Zulus. Uh, he, they wanted to have like a showcase of foreign and exotic things. And one of the things they did was take uh, basically enslaved black people from here um, and take them over there to New York as just to like a display, which sounds really, really sick and weird. Um, but our main character's name is MP. And he's not 
in a cage, so to speak, but he's there and people look at him and they stare at him in his traditional garb. And uh, he has, it becomes this love story with someone called the Dinka Princess, who's owned by someone else and she's also in the same sort of um, business and for them and he falls hopelessly in love with her. So it's an amazing book. If you know Zeke Sumdar, he always has a love story, it seems, in his books. Always a really good uh, part of his writing and I think this is wonderful. Now, the, the Dinka Princess spends the entire novel, she's in a cage. Yes, yeah. She's this, in a cage and this, this poor man MP is in love with her. This is how exotic people were yeah. exhibited around, you know, around America and New York yeah. and, and New York and Europe in yeah. the end of the 1800s. So Zags is looking at all these issues and the love story. Yes. And this beautiful title, The Zulus of New York. The Zulus of New York, yeah. It's an amazing, amazing cover as well. You can't miss it on the shelf. So um, you have to look up the covers <laughs> on our what's on our Facebook page. So you yeah. go to Facebook, search for people of the book and every single book that Viz has mentioned today plus a few more will be there and okay. familiar yourself with these beautiful covers. Cool. Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about is this one, uh, The Rosie Results by Graham Simpson. People know him from The Rosie Project, which was a wonderful breakout hit for him, and there was another one after that called The Rosie Effect. Um, so Don, uh, the main character, is back in this book. Uh, in the first book, if you haven't read it, uh, he needs someone in his life, and he's a, he basically sets this project up when he m- ends up with this wonderful woman by the name of Rosie. Um, he's a geneticist, and he's autistic. Uh, so he's a very interesting character to read about in the way he looks at things and does things. So in this one, I think they should have actually called it the Hudson Project, but maybe they wanted to keep in, in the theme of the entire series. Uh, so Hudson is his now 11-year-old son. He's born in the second book. Um, and he's now survived 4,985 days of marriage, as he says. <laughs> and Hudson is in a bit of trouble at school. He seems to not be fitting in. And he starts to see signs that um, Hudson is, might also be autistic as as he is. And he knows all too well the struggles of that. So his entire um, efforts is now to get this poor boy to be the best that he can be and make his life easier. At the same time, you've got a lot going on. You've got the, the Rosie who's having trouble at work. And you've got Don who's gotten to a bit of trouble over a lecture that he'd done and he takes a year off. He just you know, basically he didn't take a year off. He's suspended for a year. Uh, so he has a year free now and he uses this time to help this poor boy come along. And it's a wonderful, funny, funny book. You'd love all the characters in the book. Uh, like I said last night, except for one maybe. Uh, but we need that in every book. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just a stunning conclusion to the series. And it's an opportunity to, in, while you're enjoying a novel, to understand how a person with Autism lives in the world. Yes, 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 yes. Get that empathy going for people around us who do have forms of autism. Yes, it's yeah. He, I was I was saying last night as well. He ta- he tackles some really. I was quite surprised at the themes that he tackles in it, but he makes it so. Um, I wouldn't say fun, but he makes it interesting and he makes he makes it thoughtful and uh, heartwarming, and it's beautiful the way he structured it. So if even if you haven't read the first two, uh, you can pick this one up and read it. It's not one of those ones you need to follow, but it would be great to start from the Rosie Project, which is a classic now if you if you haven't read it. So start there, and then the next one is um, the Glass Woman. Last year we had a fantastic book by the name of. The Mermaid in Mrs. Hancock. I believe uh, you interviewed the author. I interviewed Imogen Hermes Gower. That was yes. fantastic. And um, so this year we think that this book is going to be our Mermaid in Mrs. Hancock for this year. Uh, it's by an author by the name of Caroline Lee, L-E-A. Uh, and the book is called The Glass Woman. It's set in Iceland this time. And um, when you start the book, uh, it's 
wonderfully written, really, really atmospheric and descriptive. Now, main character, his father has just passed away. So when you start the book, uh, he's just been announced that he's passed away and her life is in bit of turmoil. Um, her mother's uh, health is not too great as well. So she... And she's at the age where she should be married. Um, she comes across this older man who has been suspected, or they think, the people in this village think that he's uh, murdered his wife because he, it's under really mysterious circumstances that he buries her in the middle of the night. And um, she sort of takes a, takes a fancy to this man and she ends up getting married to him. But as she gets married to him, she starts to see... You know, really, really interesting things about his character, and there's a whole mystery and a darkness to him. So, uh, The Glass Woman by Caroline Lee, stunning book. You cannot miss this book on the shelf. Again, it's a really beautiful cover. Um, I think it's going to be a really big one this year. So, if you like historical fiction set in the late 19th century, this one's set in Iceland, give it a go. And then the next one is uh, The Last, um, which I think you're going to touch on. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. I'm busy reading it at the moment. It's called The Last. I've got an interview with the author in a few weeks' time. Her name is Hannah Jamison. It's, I think it's a debut novel. It is a debut, yes. And the world... We, we don't know, The world's ended. Yeah. A group of people at a, at a hotel in Switzerland come down one morning and they receive the news over whatever... Uh, media is still working that there's been nuclear warfare over most of the world. Most cities have been destroyed and then the internet goes down and no one can find out what happened to their loved ones back at, back at home. And there's a group of about 20 people stuck in this hotel in Switzerland. Yes. And it's the <laughs> nuclear apocalypse. But what Hannah Jamison does so well is she tries to predict how would a group of 20 people who think they are the last remi- remaining humans alive what type of social dynamics will happen between that group? And if there are people just beyond the hotel's yeah. grounds who have survived, what are they going to do to guarantee survival uh, in a world that has possibly almost come to an end? So that the social dynamics are more important in this novel than the reasons for the nuclear war. And then the one of the people, a historian, as a professor of history, who was at a conference at this hotel, John, he, 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 he's a group of people who found a dead body of a girl in one of the water tanks on the roof of this hotel. So there's been a murder. And the, one of the questions, one of the many questions that Hannah Jamison deals with is, is there morality mm. in a post-apocalyptic wow. world? So it's a great book. Pretty tense. Yes. <laughs> uh, I do want to ask her lots and lots of questions. So yeah. look out for the last. It's got a very powerfully red cover, yes. uh, and uh, it's a it's a it's, it's a great investigation of human dynamics in a world that has come to an end. That's that's really well put. That's and then the um the. the uh, we, we've got a number of great books that we still have to get to, but uh, we do have to take an ad break. One of the books that we're going to talk about, which is a big literary event, is the new Ian McEwan. But we have to wait straight after we play the ads first. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We're talking dream lists of books to read. Some of them we're going to be interviewing the authors here on the show. 
And Viz is telling us Penguin Random House highlights. We've got time for about two or three books. Some of them are, we just have to cover certain books. There's one South African, one literary, and there's one nature book that I want to mention. Wonderful. Um, the next one that I want to talk about is um, probably one of my favorite authors. Uh, I love reading this man. Um, it's Ian McEwan. The book is called Machines Like Me. Um, it's a really, really interesting Interesting book. I mean, you pick it up and you just get so absorbed in the story that you, you just never want to leave <laughs> this world. So it's, um, it's set in the 1980s, but it's an alternative 1980s from what we know. Um, Margaret Thatcher is, is battling with Tony Benn for power. Uh, Britain has lost the Falklands War and, um, Alan Turing has survived. So he's survived and he's gone on to make immense breakthroughs in AI. And what he's done, He's built um, 12 uh, AI male dolls, and he calls them Adam, and he makes 13 female dolls, and he call, um well, I should say robots, actually, and he calls them Eve, and they're sold all around the world. And our main character, Charlie, is one of those guys that um, he he is basically a man who, he's sort of a hustler, you know, he doesn't want to work formally, um, but... Um, he tries to avoid formal work. So he plays the stock market and, and he'll make money and then he'll lose money on something else. He'll gain money here and then he loses it to something else. And he would sometimes, um, like he would just do whatever he can just to stay afloat and not be working. So he's that kind of guy. Uh, his mother dies and it just so happens that the property she owns is on this very expensive piece of land, which he gets a nice amount of money for. Then he uses 87,000 pounds of that money to buy an Adam. And he buys Adam, and the book starts off with him sitting, the box comes in, and he takes Adam out and sits him at the dining table, and he charges him up, like how we used to charge cell phones for 16 hours, you need to charge Adam up for 16 hours. So he's got this cord running from his umbilical cord right into the socket, and he's just sitting there, and his eyes are closed, and he's sort of fascinated by this this really realistic um, AI robot. He feels the skin feels um, very real, and he even feels his chest and there's a heartbeat, which is like an electronic pulse. Uh, but it, it's just eerie. Um, at the same time, this is there's a woman upstairs by the name of Miranda. She's about 22. She's a student, and he's hopelessly in love with her. And um, it's about him trying to learn and basically be with her. He's with her. He's dating her, but he wants to marry her. And uh, he has this brilliant idea. He says if he has to input half of Adam's settings and then he gives the link and password to her, then she can input the other half. And together, this will be like their child and they'll have a connection. He's just trying to get a deeper connection with Miranda. And... There's a part in the book, you know, when you read a good book and sometimes you get like this one part that just goes, blows your mind. If it's nonfiction, it's a piece of information you never knew. But when you know it, it, it sort of opens your mind to things. That's what it was. When I read Sapiens, it was the same thing. So he's sitting there and uh, Adam is sitting having breakfast and Adam comes on. So he... He hits his full charge and he's eating breakfast and he picks his head up and he looks at, cause he feels someone looking at him and Adam's looking at him with his eyes wide open and it freaks him out. And then he goes up to the thing and he, uh, to the, to, to the doll and he puts his hand to his face and Adam flinches. It's just astounding the way he creates this character of Adam. And as you go along the book, um, Charlie is one of the characters you should look out for. 
Whereas in the beginning you think it could, should be the, the doll. So he asks questions. If we create something like this, an AI robot in this day and age, do we really understand it? And should we be doing it in, in the age-old questions of AI? So it's Ian McEwan using literary fiction to deal with artificial intelligence and the ability that we have to create artificial cognition or think sentient beings. Isn't that wonderful? I yeah, mean, yeah. It's, it's for Ian McEwan to do it. it well, he's not the first time. He did yeah. uh, some really, like he did Nutshell, which was a really great book. It was Hamlet. It was like the story of Hamlet, but told from the point of view of a fetus in, in, a, in a woman. You know. So, so I can say I've put a request through to interview Ian McEwan. It's a big, it's, it'll oh, be, be it's, a, it's, a, it's a big ask. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, we put the request through. So I've got my copy of uh, um, Machines Like Machines like me, and uh, looking forward to engaging with Ian McEwan's way of dealing with artificial intelligence. Just before we have to hand over, there was two books that we have to just mention. One is The Last Elephant. Mm-hmm. This was the, the, the fact that last night was mentioned. This book is so important. It's so powerful. It's being released earlier than was planned because it has the release has been now t- the earlier release has been timed to coincide with the CITES uh, conference in Colombo in Sri Lanka mm-hmm. because elephants are endangered last night a fact was, me- was mentioned that just astounded me beyond I, I woke up this morning just with this fact in my mind every hour of every day of every month of every year at least four elephants are being killed on the African savannah mm-hmm. the book is an, a, tr- a nature book with pictures. It's called The Last Elephant. It's compiled, compiled by Don Pinnock and Colin Bell. And we have to put elephants and wildlife uh, conservation on the top of any agenda. Because if we do not, our grandchildren will not know what an elephant looks like, in, in a, a live elephant looks like. I can't believe it. It's been almost an hour. This has gone through this dream list. There's one book that he didn't mention. I'm just going to say the title. It's a South African book. The Tortoise Cried, It's Only Tear by Carol Campbell. It's a novel set in the Karoo. Yep. She is a very, very um, popular South African novelist. It's also something to look out for. I will be posting all of these covers of all of these books on Facebook in the next few minutes. Thank Until you. next week, keep reading and good shabbat.